Good morning, church. How are we? Good to see you. For those of you who may not know me, there's a lot of new faces out there. My name is Ben Hertz, and I have the privilege of being the senior pastor here. Uh, we've had some great news come out in our country this week. Amen. The overthrowing of Roe v. Wade. Uh, that's great news. Uh, we value life as a church. Amen. That's why we support places like Retta, who's, who's caring for the, those people who are considering this decision of whether or not to keep the baby. And I think as a church, I, I just wanted to address some things. Uh, I, I want to make sure that we as a church body approach this humbly. We have to understand that th this has wrecked a lot of lives. And often our response to abortion is towards those who are the loudest. But there are people who have suffered through. Statistic would say there are actually people in here who have had an abortion. And so we need to be careful as Christians. Yes, we, we value life. We want life 100%. But as we talk about it, we need to be sensitive to the fact that people may have given into that decision. We want to care for those people. And Lord willing, there's going to be a lot more people who are born who wouldn't have otherwise been born. And so let's continue to do as many of you have already done to care for those who are going to be coming into this world without parents who care for them. Like this is an awesome thing for us, but I want us to be humble about it. I want us to be grateful and I want us to care for those. Because there are people who are really considering, have considered taking the life of their baby because they don't have the means to care. Maybe, yes, they've made foolish decisions, but, but let's be a church who genuinely cares for all people. Can we do that? All right, let's open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 121. Psalm 121. There was a time in my life where we were living in Illinois, and we entered Illinois with a good size amount in our savings accounts. But it didn't take long, very long to where we saw that account dip to $500 with $900 rent looming. At this point, we had two kids, and I was working at UPS early in the morning. Anybody do the UPS thing? So I'd get up, I had to be there like 3.30 in the morning, work till about 8, and then I would go to my other full-time job, which I'd worked sometimes till 5. The worst I worked was 3 a.m. until midnight. Uh, but this was a, it was, we had a season where there was no, no work. I mean, in the restoration business, if it rains, you have work. If it doesn't, chances are there's not a whole lot of work. And, and we had just seen our savings drop dramatically, in the, and it was very expensive to live there, and things got real tight for us very quickly. We also found ourselves down to one vehicle. Our family vehicle was, was a Ford Focus, which is not that big if you know what a Ford Focus is. But we were down then to a Ford Escort, which is even smaller. It's a two-door car. We had two kids at the time. Nikki was pregnant with the third, and of course, we had no money to purchase a car. And this left us in a place of of struggle as the provider of our family was extremely tempting for me. I'm supposed to provide for my family, and yet here we were, like, wondering, are we going to have money for rent? You know, we had moved to Illinois to pursue ministry. We had joined a church with my, with my desire to be a part of their pastor's college, and that never happened. And so we were left wondering, God, where are you? We moved, left a very comfortable place to come serve you, and this is what you're going to do? And it, it was tempting time. I'd be lying if I said we were full of faith that whole time. 
But the truth is, even in the midst of all those things, God did show up. God did meet us. God did provide. It was during the season where we were in a small group of people who genuinely cared for us. And one of the scriptures that they shared that stuck with me until today was Psalm 121. Where it helped us through the season of unknown. The season of would we have enough to provide for our kids and for our family. And I can stand here to say that I have lived through a season and I know that God truly is my helper. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have repented of your sin and trusted him as your savior, the Bible says that the Lord is your helper. The Lord is your provider. And so my prayer for you this morning is that you would leave having been encouraged and reminded that whatever you've gone through, whatever you're going through, whatever you will go through, you will have somebody who is always there with you. And so let's jump into this amazing psalm this morning, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing truth this morning that you are our helper. You keep us. Lord, those who have placed their faith and repented of their sin in you, you keep us. You cling to us. You hold on to us. Lord, I know that there are people here who are dealing with circumstances that are, feel too great for them. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us all that you indeed are our helper. And if you are our helper, then we have great confidence that we can place in you to know that you will carry us until you call us home. And so, Lord, encourage us this morning, Father. We need you deeply. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look at this psalm, I want to share with you three truths about God that brings us comfort in our lives when we are facing challenging situations. The first is this. The mountains are no match for the Lord. The mountains are no match for the Lord. Look at verse 1 again. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. When I read this, I, I picture the psalmist looking up at the mountains in the distance. In fact, you have, may have a version where instead of hills it says mountains. I, I picture him looking up at this mountains and him pondering some of the trials that he's facing in his life. And it feels like a mountain. And he looks at it he's like, how am I going to scale this? How is it possible that I can overcome this? Will I ever get relief from this obstacle that is before me? And it's then that he reminds himself where his help comes from. His help comes from the Lord. But this isn't some made-up God that he has made up. This isn't help that comes from like a king. You know, if you read through scriptures, what did sometimes the people call the king? They called him my Lord. 
This is not an earthly king. This is the God. And, and notice the title he gives. Notice the description of who this God is. This is the God who made heaven and earth. Who's in his corner when he's facing this insurmountable mountain? It's the, the creator. He is the one who is with him. He is the one that will carry him through. And no longer do these mountains that he's facing seem so intimidating and scary. He doesn't have to wonder how he is going to make it through this big trial he is facing. He now has the right perspective. His lens of the world has changed and he's not going to allow the fear to distort the image before him. You know, too often when we face trials, when we face hard things in our lives, we approach it from a microscopic per perception. What does a microscope do? It takes a small image and magnifies it so that you can see it. And isn't that sometimes what we do with our problems? That we, we take it under a microscope and the microscope makes it look way bigger than what it really is. Amen. That's right, right? We've got to be careful. Too often, that's the way we approach life, through a microscope. And we've, we have the wrong lens. I have some pictures here uh, of some things that have been under a microscope where it's much bigger than what it really appears. And these are things where if we approached a six-foot size of this, it would frighten us. And so let me see if you can guess what these are. Anybody knows what that is? That is a dust mite. Imagine you're out in the field in uh, Elkhart County, and you see a, some six-foot size thing that looks like this. It'd be pretty frightening, right? Dust mite. Is it pretty harmless for the most part? Pretty harmless. How about this? <laughs> what does that look like? It's a caterpillar. Cat all those cute little things that you let wiggle on your finger. Maybe you'll never do that again after seeing this. Frightening creature that you're like, this is crazy. But we don't get afraid. Of, well, most of us don't get afraid of caterpillars. It's harmless. It's not going to do us any problems. Here's one more for you. How about that? That is a bee larva. A bee larva. These are frightening things. If we would face them and they were man-sized, right? But when we Understand that we look through them from a different lens from our eye, we are not so intimidated by these things. And so we all face trials. We all have mountains that we are looking at, wondering how we're going to get through. We need to make sure we're not looking at that mountain from a microscopic perception. Rather, we need to look through the, the lens of God, the creator of the universe. Is this too hard for our God to help us through? Is what you're facing too much that you can't handle? Scripture actually says there's no temptation to seize you except for what is common to man and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation provides a way of escape so that you may stand up underneath it. Now is it too hard for us apart from God? Yes. But with God, he can help us through any circumstance. Brothers and sisters, let me remind you this morning, you have a God who cares for you. You have a God who is greater than your circumstances. And so this begs the question, what lens are you viewing your life circumstances through? Does God factor through the trials that you are going through? Does he cross your mind? 
Are you comparing what you're going through through the power of Jesus Christ? It is no small thing that the creator of the universe is our helper. Amen? The one who is sovereign over everything is the one who is holding on to you. The mountains are no match for the Lord. Look at verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Here's the next thing. Truth about God is this. The Lord is never distracted away from you. The Lord is never distracted away from you. What the author is doing here is he is expounding upon the fact that his creator is his helper. He's reminding himself of the characteristics of this God that he loves and believes in him. He's reminding him of why that is such a huge blessing. God's attention is never taken off of you. Never. I mean, just let that sink in for a moment. There are, what, 7 billion people in the world? Not one time does his eyes wander away from his people. Not one time is he ever unaware of what is going on in your life. Notice it says that he will not let your foot be moved. Anybody here been on a mountain? You've climbed a mountain? Uh, several years ago in high school, we went on a trip to Wyoming and uh, went up Mount Gypsum. And there were certain areas where you're literally climbing up rocks that are loose. And if you slip in certain, spl- certain places, you could fall and get seriously injured. And what we see here is that the Lord will not let your foot be moved. You ever feel like one more thing and you're done? You ever feel like you're ready to tell God, God, if you allow one more thing, I'm out. You're going to lose me. I can't take one more thing. You ever feel that? The world is collapsing in on you. And you're like, if you don't bring relief, I'm walking away. Here's the good news for his people. He's watching over you. He sees you. He won't allow your foot to slip If you have repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, you belong to him. And he will never let go. Notice the second part of verse 3. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The psalmist really wants you to understand something. Notice it said twice. The Lord will not slumber. He does not slumber He doesn't fall into deep sleep. He doesn't lose track. He doesn't need to rest as we need to rest. We have to take naps, right? This past week, Nikki and our four of our kids were gone. It was just me and my oldest son, Isaac. And Isaac had a baseball game one evening. And this this particular day, I was just exhausted. And uh, I'm a good cat napper. Anybody like have those power naps, like 15-minute power naps? Like that's, God has gifted me with that and I love it. Or lay down, 15 minutes later, automatically wake up and I'm good to go. And so this particular day, I'm like, I don't need to set an alarm. I never, I never sleep longer. It's like 
and 3 o'clock, something like that. And I, I lay down, and then I, I, I wake suddenly at 5 o'clock, five minutes after we were supposed to leave to get Isaac to his game. The Lord doesn't do that. Amen? He doesn't slumber. He doesn't lose consciousness and forget about where, where you're at and what you're going through. He's not like me who never sleeps that long. You can ask Nikki. And all of a sudden I find myself slumbering. I guess it was for a sermon illustration this morning. <laughs> but the Lord doesn't slumber. He's not sidetracked by other people. If you have more than one kid, you know exactly what it means to lose track. We have five. And we have twins that like to do double the damage that one can do. You're dealing with one child, and then while you're dealing with the one child, the other child's wreaking havoc, and then you go to that one child, and then the other one's back at, you know, like that's the kind of, like God never loses track of us. Does that not blow your mind? Like we are like one track people. Some of us can maybe focus on multiple things. I think women are better at multitasking than men, amen? <laughs> but like we still lose track of things. You ever see the, the men spinning plates? Like, we weren't made to spin plates because eventually plates are going to start falling. God never drops us. That's good news for you. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. Perhaps you are tempted to think sometimes God shows up late. When the truth is, God doesn't show up when you want him to. And the beauty of that is that he always comes when we need it. Romans 8 says that he works everything for the good of those who love him. He's not late. There's something that he wants you to learn and so he shows up at the right time so that you can learn what you need to learn. Don't wonder where God is at. God is always there. His word says he will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13. He's never distracted. That, that is something that I just cannot fathom. So do you believe this morning that God doesn't get distracted away from you? I want to remind you, if you're feeling that this morning, don't go with your feelings. Our feelings will lead us astray. What does the word of God say? He won't let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Do you believe that his eyes are always upon you? Are you fully aware, fully trusting that his eyes never close in sleep? The Lord is never distracted away from you. Look at verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Here's the last point. The Lord is sovereign over your life. The Lord is is in control over your life. He's your keeper. The shade 
on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day. We've been getting a lot of the sun lately, haven't we? I have kind of a love-hate relationship with the sun. My wife, on the other hand, she loves the sun. She's in it all the time. Well, that's because the sun makes her tan. The sun turns me into a lobster. I do not love being in the sun for a long period of time. When the sun is out and it's hot, there are two places I'm at, in the pool or in the air conditioning. When I was a kid, if I was left out for a long period of time, and as kids, you know, like, it's something about boys, they don't like to keep their shirts on, you know what I mean? Like, like always, all summer long, our boys, their shirts are nowhere to be found. And, and I would get burned so bad, I would get half dollar size blisters on my shoulders. And so I, the sun is a very dangerous thing, is it not? And often we don't fully understand what it does to us until the next morning. <laughs> Maybe that night, you know, those itchy nights where you just, you, you, you itch, but you can't itch because it's burnt so bad. Well, here's the reminder for us this morning is that God doesn't allow the heat of this world, the fires that we face, to pull us away from him. He doesn't allow these things to interfere so that we lose our relationship with God. He is clinging on to you even in the fires that you are facing. It doesn't mean that the sun won't be hot. It doesn't mean that we won't face fire. But in the fires, he clings to you. He holds to you. He doesn't allow it to pull you away from him. The sun shall not strike you by day, verse 6, nor the moon by night. In the wintertime, when it is at its coldest, what is usually going on in the sky? It's usually clear, clear mornings, right? Like, oh, it's going to be super, if, the, if it's not overcast, it's going to be really cold. When the, when the night's clear, it usually means the nights are the coldest. And so sometimes we go through seasons of coldness, right, where... There may not even be fires, but like our hearts are drifting from the Lord. There's not a fervency in our spirit for him. There's a dryness. There's a coldness that we just can't seem to get past. Even in those moments, we have a creator who cares for you. We have a creator who is holding on to you, who is clinging to you, who's not going to allow the coldness of your heart to allow you to pull away from him. The reality for all of us is that we will have seasons where we will go through fires. And we will have seasons where our hearts are cold. Everybody goes through those things. But we're in a battle. We shouldn't be surprised by these things, right? These are things that Jesus promised to us. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Keep your finger here and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter Chapter 4. This is just a great reminder of the fact that, look, we're going to go through fire. We're, the sun is going to be hot. We're going to face the heat in the world. We're, we're facing it now. Like, there's like this uncertainty with Roe v. Wade being overturned and being handed down to the states of what's going to happen. <laughs> like, is there going to be violence? Are there going to be riots everywhere? What's going to take place? Uh, what's going to take place for us as Christians? Are we going to face any of that? We're, we're not free from heat. We're not fear from fire. But notice what First Peter 4 verse 12 
and following says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of God and of, and of, God, spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. <laughs> I mean, there are people here who, who uh, they've shared how they're suffering, and then I watch how they live their life, and I'm like, why are you struggling with understanding why you're suffering? It's because you are pursuing the ways of the world. It's actually God's grace that is allowing you to suffer because he wants your attention. Don't suffer because you're acting like a fool. Yet, verse 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. And then notice verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. God is sovereign in your life. He allows trials to come into your life. He allows the fires because he wants to refine you. He wants to consume the dross, the, the, the nastiness about us, the sinfulness. of. He wants to consume that. And, and when things go well for us for a long period of time, what tends to happen? Don't we kind of tend to, to drift a little bit? Not always. But during seasons where things are fruitful, like we have to be careful that we don't trust in the things that we're being, have been fruitful in. Finances right now, not so protected as they once were with gas prices, with food prices. Everything is costing more. Retirement accounts are dropping. But God is still in that. He's refining us with fire. He's sovereign over our life because he cares about our souls. He doesn't want you to get too comfortable by loving the things of this world because the things of this world are appealing, are they not? They lure us in. They sound so good. They scratch itches that we have. But we need to trust that God is sovereign. He allows these things to come into our life, not to destroy us, but to refine us, to, to draw us to himself. The heat will come. We will experience seasons of coldness where your heart feels distant from the Lord. But remember, if you have repented of your sin, you have placed your faith in Christ, take heart. Entrust your soul to your faithful creator. He will keep you from evil, verse 7. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Do you see the fact that God is heavily involved in your life all the time? Never will he leave you or forsake you. He may be quiet. We may not be able to hear his voice per se. But he's given us his word. He's there. He's promised us that he will never leave us. Consider what Psalm 27 says. Verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Do you believe that God is sovereign? That's a super important question. Do you believe that God is reigning supreme with nothing able to get in his way? Do you believe that? 
I know there are people who believe God is good, but don't believe God is sovereign. Because they can't fathom to put those two things together. That's because we see things through our eyes. God's wisdom is greater than man's wisdom. We don't fully understand this mystery. But do you believe that God is sovereign over your life? How we answer that question will have serious ramifications for us. I want you to turn to Psalm 139. Turn with me to Psalm 139. We've got to get this right. We have to clearly understand that God is in control of all things. Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Feel the weight of that. God is intimately involved in your life. He's not surprised at what you're going through. He hurts like we hurt. I always think of John eleven thirty five. When Lazarus died, do you remember what Jesus did? He wept. God is not a cold God who likes to torture people. He's a God who cares. He's a God who knows what's best for you. He's numbered your days. Makes me think of, you know, where does anxiety come from? What is, what is anxiety? It's it's predicting something that will happen in the future, right? Think about the ramifications if we believe that God is sovereign in the things that we are anxious about. When we've been having health issues and we start surfing the internet to self-diagnose what's going on. That always works out well, doesn't it? <laughs> we could find ourselves anxious. When the doctor has us come in to do some tests and it's time to find out the results and we fear what we may find. When you're pregnant but there have been some complications and you're afraid of what the ultrasound might show. When you can see the work, your job slowing down and you're wondering if this is the week that you're going to be laid off, it seems inevitable. When you go to the gas pump and you watch the money amount rise. When you go to the grocery store and you remember when eggs were half the price of what they are now. And you wonder how long until your money runs out. Perhaps you're getting ready to retire in the next few years but the market isn't looking so good. And you're wondering, am I going to have to keep working and can my body even handle it? When your children grow older. And you notice a lack of love for the Lord. And maybe even rejecting him altogether. When they come to you and deliver some devastating news, wondering. How could they accept these falsehoods that were never taught in your home growing up? It's in these moments. You need to remember the Lord is your helper. Don't let the mountains 
leads you to cower in fear? Be reminded that you have a Father who is an ever-present help in your time of need. Our God, the God of the Bible, never slumbers or sleeps. He doesn't lose track. He hasn't lost track of what you are going through. He is the keeper of your life. When your emotions want to tell you differently, when the enemy is coming in and giving you thoughts that aren't true, don't forget the truth of what God's word says. And after all, this world is not even our home. We're not meant to have a permanent dwelling place here. Don't get sidetracked with trying to make heaven here. We're just passing through. And Jesus, even now, is preparing a place in glory for you. Remember where your help comes from. He's the maker and the creator of the world. Let's pray. Father, I know there are some hurting people in this room. Some of them I know their stories and others I don't. But what I do know is true. Is that our help comes from not just anyone, from the Creator, the one who is sovereign over everything, Lord. I pray that you would encourage us this morning, that even in our tears, even through our sorrow and our suffering, that we would still place our hope in you. Lord, thank you that you cling to us. This is not dependent on us. Lord, this is dependent on you. And for those who have genuinely repented of their sin and placed their faith in you, God, you will never let us go. Never will you leave us or forsake us. Even when we think we're walking away, God, you cling to us. So, Lord, revive us this morning if, we, if that's what we need. Remind us of the helper that we have in God. Lord, you are faithful. You are good you are wise. Lord, help us to look through the lens of our suffering through you. That the things of earth will grow strangely dim. I thank you for your faithfulness and your mercy towards us. It is in Jesus' name we pray.